We're going to be looking in Mark chapter 8 today. Mark chapter 8 in a message I call, I See Men as Trees. Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hand on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. May God bless the reading of his word today is my prayer. This is one of the unique Uh, passages in Mark's gospel, one of the unique stories that he tells us. This miracle is only recorded here uh, in Mark's gospel. Remember that Jesus has completed a lengthy journey up through a Gentile area. Now he has come back into uh, the area there around Galilee, and uh, he's come back to the arguments and the questions and and a group of people who were just rejecting him and wanted everybody else to reject him. Bethsaida was one of the principal cities of his ministry. It was the hometown of Peter and Andrew. And uh, he had worked miracle after miracle after miracle there. Taught message after message after message there. And the people had just not believed. And so Luke chapter 10 and verse 13, Jesus pronounced a statement of judgment upon them. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which had been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. You remember that Jesus did in fact leave this area and go up to Tyre and Sidon. He did do a miracle up there. Many believed, remember, that 4,000 people uh, that were following him, that Jesus fed, were predominantly Gentile people. So there were a lot of people who believed. But Jesus didn't do near the miracles in those places that he had done in Bethsaida. And so we're seeing that judgment that he had pronounced upon them actually playing out. Uh, When they brought the blind man to him, Jesus led him out of town. There was going to be a miracle, but it wasn't going to be seen in the town. It was just for his disciples. He, in fact, would tell him, you don't even go back there. You go straight home and don't go to town and tell what's happened. It's yet another example of how that Jesus is turning away from those places where he had done so much, where he had taught so much, where he had preached so much, where he had ministered to so much and, and performed so many miracles. I mean, just think about God in the flesh coming to these towns and preaching and preaching and teaching and teaching and working and working and people just rejected It's a sad reminder of what the writer of the book of Proverbs said in Proverbs chapter 29 verse 1. He that being often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Without remedy. 
See, you can harden your hearts too many times against the truth of the gospel. And that's exactly what was happening in Bethsaida. And we'll see that play out. But Jesus, remember, had asked his disciples a series of questions. He had fed the multitudes that got in the boat and he had warned them about leaven and the disciples just missed all of that message he tried to tell them. And so he asked them those nine questions we talked about last week, one of which was this one, having eyes, do you not see? Having eyes, do you not see? Multitudes of biblical passages refer to God's truth as light or illumination so that we have an understanding then of the truth of God so much so that that understanding is spoken of as being in the heart and in fact the Bible speaks of our heart having eyes. Ephesians 1.17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you and what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. This is how that we, we know the truth of God. We understand it. We have eyes to see. We then understand it so that it enters into our heart. We know what God wants us to do. We understand it. We're getting what God wants us to get. You have eyes to see. And if you're saved, you do. But it may be like the disciples where Jesus would say, you know, can't you see this? Do you you have eyes to see, but can't you see? It's not coincidental then. It's not incidental that this story of the blind man comes immediately after Jesus has brought that situation to the disciples. Jesus produces then another miracle with the message, another teaching moment, as He did so often with His miracles. He used them to make a point and to move His disciples along toward what God wants them to be. Bethsaida had gotten all the blessing from Jesus they were going to get. But he had an important lesson to teach his disciples and us. Having eyes to see, do you see? And so we'll look at the story and and then get the significance of it. Uh, Remember how the story played out. Not a big mystery here. They bring this man to Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus took him by the hand and led him out of the city. Now, this is the only two-part miracle that the Bible records because he spit in his eye and then he rubbed them and he asked him, can you see? And he says, well, I see men like trees walking. And so he rubbed his eyes again and then he could see clearly. Now, when they were asking Jesus to touch him, this was apparently the most frequently used uh, way of Jesus performing miracles. But even that is significant. You see, the religious leaders and the Pharisees were teaching people all the time, you know, well, don't touch those folks. Don't get around them, especially those who were sick. If they had any kind of congenital birth defect, if there was anything obviously wrong with people, uh, then the Pharisees, uh, they, they wouldn't touch them at all. Didn't want anything to do with them. Kind of reminds us of our COVID-19 protocol. <laughs> Turned us all into germaphobes there. And, uh, you know, don't, no hugging. Uh, no, well, 
You know, the religious leaders were all about that, but it wasn't about germs. They didn't even know germs existed back then. It was all about their sense of their own righteousness. You see, they thought of themselves as being holy and righteous. And other people, you know, they're not holy. There's no telling what they've been or or what they've done or, or where they've been. No telling who they've been around. And so they were very careful not to touch anybody in order to preserve their holiness. But here's Jesus. He just waited right in the middle of all of it. And over and over again in the gospel accounts, we see Jesus touching people, even touching the lepers. You know, the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that we, have, we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And it's hard for us to understand that passage and the truth of it without understanding this setting. Jesus was not that person who held himself aloof, wouldn't touch anybody, wouldn't have anything to do with anybody. Let me tell you something. Jesus is still not that person today. He knows the feelings of our infirmities because he was in all points tempted like as we are. He knows about sicknesses. He knows about suffering. He was surrounded by it. He was immersed in it. And he was not afraid to get right in the middle of it all. And he does it in this passage, but in a very, very special way. Our high priest welcomes the touch of sinners. He's glad to touch us. And we know that we need him to do that. One of the things that sin does to people is it brings isolation. It destroys relationship. It creates distance between people and God and between uh, people and, and, and God's people. We're afraid to get around people because of our sin. But even when that's true, Jesus knows where we are and he'll come to us. He led the blind man outside of town. Have you ever had the opportunity of leading a blind person around. Uh, when I was very young, going uh, to church every Sunday morning, my job was to go down the road just up the street from us. A lady in our church named Miss Barbara lived. Miss Barbara's long since gone on to heaven. Uh, but Miss Barbara was blind, and it was my job uh, to go and read her her Sunday school lesson. That's every Sunday morning. Went up and, and read Miss Barbara her Sunday school lesson. About the time that uh, Sunday school then was over, mom and dad would show up, or so, that, the time I finished the lesson, mom and dad would show up and we'd take Miss Barbara to church. And it was my job then to lead her out to the car, and then after church was over, to lead her back to the car. And, and you know, when, you, when you're a little kid and mom says, now you got to remember, son, you know, Miss Barbara, she can't see. And so you got to be her eyes and, and just be real careful. Tell her if something's coming up. Tell her, and oh, I took that job so seriously. If you've ever led a blind person around, you know what an important thing that is. Jesus led this blind man all the way outside of town, holding him by the hand. I've got a feeling that some of us knows what that life is like to have Jesus leading you around when you don't know where to go but there's somehow you feel that precious hand that's giving you that guidance that you need. The Lord Jesus, Lord of glory, God in human flesh, leading this blind man. Gets him outside of town. And now it's just the disciples. 
After wonder if the disciples had seen Jesus heal so many people, I wonder if it ever got old to them. I wonder if it was all just kind of routine. I mean, Jesus is here, blind man is here. Yeah, what's going to happen? Oh, he's going to heal him, no doubt. This one, though, was going to be special. I don't know if it ever got old to the disciples. I've got a suspicion that it did not. But I know one thing. The people in Bethsaida had seen hundreds, maybe thousands of miracles without believing on Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus spit in his eyes. Why did he do that? The Bible does not say why. I do know that the Bible says that what comes out of a man is what defiles a man, and that's so often the case. We know that saliva carries germs. We know that today, and it's defiling and it's insulting. Uh, We know that what else comes out of our mouth is our words, and so often the words that we hear today are just awful, awful. Horrible things, disrespectful things, mean things, hurtful things, awful things. That come out of people's mouths. But let me tell you what came out of Jesus' mouth. Healing. How's that one? (laughs) Healing. And salvation. His words were not horrible words. They were words of life. I'll grant you they could be words of condemnation as well. But the word of Jesus was a word of salvation. And so Jesus uh, spit in his eyes. And then he asked him, can you see the only time in all the miracles that Jesus did that he ever asked anybody if it worked? Why? Because it always worked. All of Jesus' healings were instantaneous. It didn't matter if somebody had been born with no arms, if they had had some kind of spinal injury and couldn't walk. When they were healed, they were healed immediately and instantly. That person didn't need therapy. They didn't need anybody to help them walk anymore. They were on their feet and running. We saw it last week with a man who was deaf and mute who suddenly was able to hear and speak and speak fluently a language that he had never studied. It was always instantaneous. It always happened just like that. But not this time. Jesus asked him, can you see? (laughs) Of course, Jesus already knew the answer. He wasn't asking that for his benefit. He was asking it for the disciples' benefit. Can you see? Yes, I can see, but not clearly. How did he describe it? He said, well, I, I see men like trees walking. I can see, he knew, even though he was blind, he knew kind of what people would look like. He, of course, knew what trees would look at. But what he was saying is that I'm seeing people, but they're just this big fuzzy blob. I know it's people because they're walking around, but I couldn't tell the difference between them and anything else. I can see, but I can't see clearly. And all of you folks here today who, like me, have bad vision, you know exactly what that's like to be able to see, but not be able to see clearly. Now that's a story. Jesus then touched his eyes. He was able to see clearly. And then moved on. What significance then can we take out of this for us today? I see men like trees walking. And so as we begin to see then the significance, that's the story. Let's look then at the significance. He was restored the second time that Jesus touched him. 
And the first thing I think we can draw from this today is that everybody doesn't get the same experience from Jesus. Uh, he was blind and he now sees. Certainly he sees by the power of God and not of himself. And there's always going to be, though, that possibility that somebody might get some other kind of experience than he did. We know that he healed blind Bartimaeus or Bartimaeus on the road to Damas- or, or on the road to Jericho. Uh, we know that he healed uh, the blind man in the temple. You remember that story when the disciples asked, who, man, "Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind?" And Jesus said, "Neither, but that the works of God might be manifested in him." And here's another case of another blind man, another story that Jesus is doing something different than he had done before. That man in the temple, he had spit and made blood and put it, or made mud and put it in his eyes and sent him to wash in the pool of Siloam. Not this guy, different thing. And he had to do it twice. Let's remind ourselves this morning that just because I've had a a kind of experience with Jesus Christ doesn't mean that everybody is going to have that same experience. That goes back to our salvation. I mean, I've seen all kinds of responses. I've seen people who have just been weeping uncontrollably. I mean, they came down the aisle crying. They, uh, led, uh, I led them to Christ. They came to Christ. And, and, and then they left back just, just still just to crying. I've seen people just excited and, and joyful. I've seen people who didn't respond very much at all. Many, many years ago in the first church I pastored, a lady who's now in glory told me that she got under conviction as a child in church service. She knew she needed to go forward and be saved, but she didn't go. And so she waited until she got home and then asked the Lord to save her, and she was saved. And she said, Brother Rich, I was so excited. I felt so different, she said. I got up and ran in the bathroom, 13-year-old girl, and looked in the mirror to see if I still looked the same. Her reasoning was I felt so different. I had to look different. After all these years, I've thought about that lady's story many, many times. Maybe you had an experience of salvation like that. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you were saved. Maybe you just felt a burden that was lifted. I don't know how it felt for you. But let's just look at the story. If nothing else of this blind man's story, we could learn that everybody doesn't get the same experience all the time. Now, everybody who was blind was given their sight that Jesus healed. Do you understand that? And everybody who's saved ends up saved. Uh, But that doesn't mean that it is the same experience for us all. Sometimes we have different feelings about it. Sometimes Jesus then works in different ways. Now, that's not true of salvation. Everybody who is saved is saved the same way. We repent of our sins and we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. If you're saved here this morning, you were saved exactly the same way I was saved by grace through faith. That's how everybody is saved. And yet even in that way that we are saved, it's amazing the creativity that sometimes you use. A lot of you were saved after hearing a message preached and you got into conviction in church and you responded. Some, though, may pick up a gospel tract. 
Some might not have anything except begin to read the Word of God and understand then that they need to be saved and need Jesus Christ in their life. Some are led to, uh, led to faith by parents. Some are led to faith by friends. There's all kinds of experience. You may have been saved in church. You may have been saved out on the back 40 with nobody around but just you and Jesus. God has all kinds of ways of getting His message through to us. That message is the same and it never changes. But God works in a lot of different ways. We see that in the way that He healed the blind man. We certainly see it in this unique way that this man was healed. But you see, this wasn't just an instantaneous kind of healing. This was a two-stage thing. And I'll remind you again, uh, this is the only two-stage miracle that Jesus ever performed. And when He uh, then spit in His eyes and He asked Him, Can you see? And the man said, I, I, I kind of can see. I kind of see. I can see, but I can't see clearly. You see, God was working in his life because he was going to use him as an example of what was wrong with the disciples. Do you have eyes to see? Can you see? It was that, that question that he had just asked them. Now here's a man who has the ability to see. Yes, I can see, but I can't see clearly. And Jesus is going to use then this man as an example. Now I really don't think the man minded. Uh, he would use blind Bartimaeus as an example. He used so many of the miracles that he did as examples. And you know, that guy that was blind but now could see, he's not going to go away complaining. Well, you know, Jesus used me as an example. Hey, <laughs> what a great thing. I mean, there's two great opportunities that have happened. There's an opportunity then for him to have the healing and an opportunity for God to use him. You see, God knows exactly where we are at all times. And he knows exactly how he intends to use us. Paul gave us a great passage on this in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20. When he said, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, prepared for every good work. Now Paul mentions four different kinds of vessels in this passage. There's golden vessels, think bowls, golden bowls, silver bowls, wooden bowls, and earth bowls, clay, clay bowls. There are four, four different kinds. I've never been around a golden bowl, but I have seen silver ones quite a bit. I'm sure if I did see a gold one, it'd probably just be gold-plated. But uh, the Bible's just talking about the different kinds of material. And the thing is that all four of those kinds of material, whatever they are, gold, silver, wood, clay, all four kinds can be used by God and become a vessel of honor. Paul was just talking about a lot of things that it's possible for us to do with our vessel, our body, that would dishonor us and make it to where God can't use us. And there's all kinds of things. I mean, if, and we, make, we understand that. If we take a, a vessel, a bowl, and, and we were to use that, for example, to drain the oil out of our car. Well, we're not going to take that bowl then and set it back on the, plate, on the table anymore and eat out of it. It, it becomes a vessel of dishonor. And, and th there are all kinds of things, all kinds of 
places where people can be used in all kinds of different ways. And it's a great thing that God does for us as He makes it possible for us to be used, useful. I don't know how it is at your house, but around our house we have a cabinet. I'm not sure exactly what it's called, uh, but there are dishes in there that we never use. Our best dishes, never used. It was that way at my home where I grew up. You know, we had all that, those fine dishes that uh, ran. They, they were nice. They looked good. But i tell you what, uh, you don't get one of those bowls and, and have a bowl of cereal out of it because something bad's going to happen to you. <laughs> I promise you. It, uh, I learned that the hard way. This passage has always appealed to me because you know what? It doesn't matter. Gold, silver, wood, or clay. I want to be a vessel that the Lord can use. He knows exactly what we are. He, can, he has a place for all of us. and We can be then submitted to Him and useful to Him. And that's exactly what we see. God knows exactly where we are. He knows exactly what we are. And He can use us. And He was doing that with this blind man as He told the disciples about how it is to have eyes to see, but then not be able to see clearly. We see men like trees walking. Sometimes, you see, we're right there with this blind man. Sometimes we're right there with the disciples. You may have been raised in church all of your life, but you never really went to Sunday school. You never really went to a Bible study program you never got in a youth department. Maybe your Sunday uh, church didn't even have a wana. Maybe you grew up, you went to church a lot, but you never really got involved in Sunday school. You moved off to college, and you got just bombarded with a lot of different things and a lot of different ideas. Though you have eyes to see, then you don't see clearly. You see men like trees walking. Miss Janie just talked to you today about a great opportunity for you through the FBI program to get more understanding and more knowledge. Because you see, it's possible for us to be like that. Uh, and, and then we start to get a lot of different things. A lot of social media out there today. A lot of influencers out there. And it, it's amazing how many teenagers out there. And I know it's always been this way. And don't, get to, don't take me wrong here, teens, because I'm, I'm not just fussing at you. It's always been this way. When I was 17, I knew just about everything. It's amazing how ignorant I got by the time I turned 22. I don't know. I'm just boom. But what we see today is with social media then, we have so many teenagers out there who who think they know everything about God and spirituality. Uh, Listen, uh, you can get led a long way the wrong way. With a lot of ideas about God, a lot of ideas about heaven, a lot of ideas. I've often thought, you know, most people uh, probably listen to country music more than they ever listen to their pastor. Uh, And if you do, if you listen to country music, if you're a fan, if you listen to country music, then you know something about country music, folks. A lot of those folks know God, but they seem like trees walking. They got a lot of bad theology, a lot of bad ideas. And it's not just in country music, it's all kinds of music. When you get out into the world, you'll find a lot of people, maybe they know God, maybe they've been saved. But their understanding of biblical truth is very limited, but they're not afraid to try to share it with you. If you're not careful, 
You'll end up where you can see you're a saved person and you have eyes to see. But you don't see clearly. You see men like trees walking. Everybody who, like me, has a problem with their vision knows what that's like to just see a blob. To just see something. I'll never forget the day that I got my first pair of these. And if you are nearsighted like I am, you probably remember that first day when you looked at the world through a pair of glasses. And you realize that clouds aren't just white blobs. That trees aren't just green blobs. You see, this man was able to see. But he didn't see clearly. That's where the disciples were. That's where a lot of the Lord's disciples are. But that's not the end of the story. You see, the end of the story is Jesus can make it to where we can see clearly. What we need is good, solid instruction in spiritual truth. What we need is a good understanding of who Jesus is and what He has done. But there's one more thing. I'm not going to say you don't need Sunday school. You do. You do. And for those of you watching from home, you say, well, you know, I I just enjoy uh, watching the message and all that. Yeah, but we don't broadcast our Sunday school classes. And you don't get that interaction personally with other people where you can ask questions and have somebody respond. And God has a reason and a place for us in His churches. It's always been that way. It's still that need. And so a part of the solution may be that you just need to get in a good solid class. Maybe you need to enroll in FBI. Maybe you need to get involved in in some personal Bible study. Find a good uh, person who will help you. And we'd all love to do that, to help you learn more so you can see clearly. But there's one more thing that's required. You see, Jesus asked the man, can you see anything? And he said, what? I see men like trees walking. (laughs) Way too many times you and I would answer that question by saying, oh yeah, I see fine. (laughs) I'm, I'm okay. But this man was very honest. And thank God for his honesty because that got him that second touch that he needed. I I can see, but I can't see clearly. I I can see people, but they're they're just a big old blob like a tree. I I can kind of see, but I, I can't see. You see, Jesus required that admission, and he still does. Where we get to that place, we're willing to admit it. Listen, I, I can't see right. I, I don't understand this correctly. And we're willing to then seek that help that we need first from the Lord and then from others. All kinds of problems that we face in our life that God can help us with, but He's not going to help us until we admit it. I see men like trees walking. Oh, the Bible tells us if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But it all starts with that confession. I see men like trees walking. 
Oh, but preacher, I, you know, people, I, I've been saved so long. I've been in church all along. I'm embarrassed to admit uh, how little I know about the Bible. Don't be embarrassed. Jesus didn't get on this man and fuss at him when he said, I see men like trees walking. Well, what's wrong with you? Why, why, no, I've done this before. I, I spit on the ground and made blood, or made mud, and Bartimaeus got healed. Why, why didn't it work for you? No, Jesus, Jesus didn't do that at all, and he's not going to do that to you either. It's all about our admission. I see men like trees walking. When we'll do that, then God has a solution. I don't know what might be going on in your heart or mind today where you might be struggling, but Jesus does. And I know that if you'll let us know, oh, we'd be glad to help you. We've got such a great group of Sunday school teachers, such a great group of Bible leaders and Bible teachers. We'd all love to help you. And and I'll tell you what, preachers just live to answer questions. I warn you, though, if you ask me what time it is, I'll probably tell you how to build a watch. That's just the way preaching is. I see men like trees walking. Isn't this a great story? A great story of the compassion of Jesus Christ, how he works uniquely so that he can also use his work in the lives of his people. Let's stand together, please.